Welcome back to the next part of this Truth and Rhythm episode. Be sure to subscribe to this channel. If you've already done so, please share it with friends. Also become a member by joining Truth and Rhythm on Patreon or consider donating at funkinstuff.net. Thank you so much for your interest and support. Enjoy. Just think about it. We got George and Bootsy on us. Um, and I mean, that's special, even if you know, they can't, uh, you know, give George and Bootsy the Kennedy Center honors and land a spaceship at the stadium or something again. Um, they, they've given us, um, they've given us something. It would be nice if there was a way to keep bringing it. Now, if you think about it, Outcast did a little mothership thing uh, at the Grammy Awards, I think right around 2002, if you remember that. And um, Kendrick uh, is on that George Clinton video with the mothership in it. Um, there's a there's all these references to it still. So I think, and it's in the museum, the African-American Museum up there in D.C. Um, you know, so it's it's a good bet uh, some of this legacy will start to sink deeper in and, and folks will recognize it. And it would be nice if folks are there to get their heartbeat props. Um, but it, either way, you know, we have their music. And George's longevity is, is helping, you know, for sure. I still can't believe it. He's aging backwards. I mean, the things he's doing um he's always up front i mean there's a lot of folks his age that sit on a bench maybe half a show and yet george is driving things he's driving the energy of it and you know the folk is clearly that life-sustaining element and he shows that to everyone and they're still educating people because they did a free show here in February. And, you know, they played We Want the Funk and Atomic Dog and some of this. But then like, they played all that. They, dun, 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 then they had to jump right into Standing on the Verge and, and Get Off Your Ass and Jam and just kind of splatter that stuff. You and I understand that. But a lot of the audience was like, whoa, program, deprogram, reprogram. Uh, I didn't know, maybe I knew, I didn't know that the funk was all of this, right? And Bootsy is like, can take all of me, you know? So George is still doing that. And uh, 
that that's just an incredible thing. And uh, yeah, I hope other people uh, get a chance to see it. Got my kids to see them last summer. And, um, you know, maybe, maybe somebody with that, that same vibe that Bootsy has will, will emerge one day and, uh, and start playing those things and, and do things in their own way. Right. Well, Mono Neon's pretty interesting. He's wonderful. Mono Neon is great. I don't know how he performs with like all those layers of blankets on and stuff. All his pajamas on and things like that. I don't know. I don't know how he's going to do a summer tour like that in the Midwest heat. But um, that 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 would be that would be something. Yeah, that's a good. Um, that's a that's a good uh, example of of where that stuff is going. And my guy James Small, um, there are folks that are like, yeah, it's the funk. It's not the same funk on the radio from 1977, but it's the funk. And and they do it, and they kind of know that stuff, but they're kind of doing it their way. And so I'm good with that. And I try to keep up with it, and I don't even have to work too hard. I was like, well, what about the, oh, wait a minute, that guy sent me this, you know, a couple months ago. Oh, and every time somebody drops something that comes across, I just kind of keep it stash it maybe i download it maybe i gotta buy it on Bandcamp. and some of that stuff gabe gonzalez some of these guys realize you don't have to charge a dollar you can you can charge a little bit more for that um but that's all that's all good and you know before i know it i've got a, a whole show's worth of brand new music to to play or mix in with some of the classics and and let people know so um you know the life the life force of the funk keeps on going and so i'm not worried about that we might we might not make it i remember george carlin said this thing about you know the world you know people say the climate and the world is dying so, no the world is doing fine we are all fucked up you know we're, we're the ones that have messed up but uh, the world can you know will recover once we finish doing the damage. So uh, wherever we're at, that funk vibe, it's it's still alive. And I just believe that hip hop is the gateway drug and it people can get the beat and they can get the attitude and then they want to groove. And a lot of times the rhyme, the rap, that might bring you in. But then you still want the vibe, and you may not want to hear what these people have to say, but you want the vibe. And funk provides the vibe. Funk provides the feel of it all. Um, so, you know, I teach a class called Hip Hop and Globalization. And we go all around the world for, for, for the rap music, but they know early on that, you know, what is holding this stuff up? What is making this stuff happen and yes it's the beats but what are those beats and that's the funk if it wasn't for the funk you know we would be doing some some weird type of reggaeton around the world but we wouldn't be doing um hip-hop the way we're doing it so um i'm good with that if that's a 
beginning step. If that's a way for people to get into it and a way for people to understand it. Um, it would be nice if there was like a, some better big picture recognition. And um, I'm trying to get the book reissued, a uh, second edition. Um, these people in Russia reached out to me and said, um, and they they paid for the rights to translate the book. So there is a Russian translation of the funk book. And they said, do you have a new chapter? And I'm like, well, shit, you just paid $800 or whatever, the St. Martin's for the, I think I can whip something up. And uh, and then I realized, yeah, well, let me give you a chapter on what's happened in the past 25 years, which was easier than I thought it would be. At first, I was like, well, it's all diffused now. How do you write that? But you can drop a few names and and, and keep it moving. Um, and then the fun part was that little funk glossary in the back where you list the albums and who's, you know, what are the, the killer albums and what are the so-so albums. Um so all that's ready. And then they kind of shut down. They paused the operations. I don't know the the military situation is, where they are, or what. But um, I haven't heard from them in over a year. But um, so I'm hoping that happens. And then this summer, I'll be, uh, I'll have to make the decision whether or not to um, really give, St. Uh, Martin's a hard sell about uh, a new edition or walk away and go to another publisher and do it with somebody else. And um, Are you thinking beyond another chapter or just that other chapter? Really just the other chapter and let, and let the, I mean, because it's two ways to do a second edition. One is to go in and rewrite whole sections okay try to update them that way and i suppose I, you know go into the blues and rock section and update that or the miles davis thing or the hendrix thing but i'm okay with putting a new intro on it saying this is in itself an artifact from the mid 90s okay because this is how we felt about funk back then all the uh CD compilations were coming, right? <laughs> that rhino history of funk business, all the, the fat tracks and all the the, uh, the whole reissue world was uh, thriving. And I don't know about you, I was loving it. And I was getting Sin, gigs. Sin, Sinbad Cruises, yeah. <laughs> well, Sinbad Cruise, um, that was special. Uh, and there were, there were people doing what they could do. And most of them got pushback. Uh, I remember Sinbad, I think he told me he wanted to call it the funk specials. And HB said, HBO said, no, they'll be afraid of that. So call them the soul specials. Even though your soul special had Grand Central Station, Lakeside, Cool in the Gang, blah, 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 blah. There wasn't really soul artists there, except Natalie Cole, maybe. Um but uh, yeah, so it's a it, it kind of re now that's an artifact. Now it's 20, 25 years old. Now there are uh, funk shows and they don't have any funk acts in them, you know. And back then, 
They didn't call it that. They didn't have it. Um, but it's a start. I mean, I don't know if you remember, it was about three, four years ago, there was a big New York Times article about the return of the funk. And I don't even remember who they were pitching, but they had this whole discussion of the Jonas Brothers sampling um, funky drummer somewhere and how that ties into the root. And they dropped all these names of Ohio players and James Brown. And I'm like, well, it's a start. At, at some point, you got you got to start somewhere. And, you know, people still think about the funk. We still vibe on the funk. And we still know what the funk is, you know, because we, we know it's so high you can't get over it. So low you can't get out. It was just it's just you can't put it in a container. You can't contain the funk. It's just it's it, it's beyond this kind of Western construction that you can that you can define and and that's that's what keeps going. That's what keeps it alive. Um, have you uh, picked up Don Silva's big work? Yeah, it's in the next room. Uh, I'm up to it's a it's a long read. I'm up to uh, when she started doing her solo thing, but I got through all the rest before that. It's amazing. I can't believe that she put that together. I mean, the photos, so many I never saw before, and just to be able to get immersed, you know, in the funk that deep through those pages, mm -hmm. amazing. I mean, yeah, I'm so glad she was able to get it done. Yeah, and it it um, it's huge because it it just moves the center of gravity of of the narrative around, and and you know and folks need to recognize and they recognize her skill and her talent. And we, we're a little spoiled. I don't know if you caught her at the Long Beach Funk Fest when she was out here. I think she played three of them, and. Um, you know that that reminded me that she's a top shelf uh, funkster right there, uh, and then I was hearing these stories about it. But then for her to package that thing that way, um, it just it gives you hope that more people can do things like that, and it can it can start to grow in 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 significance, and uh, and people get recognized, man. For, well, for it seems, seems like it seems like half the people that I speak to, that I interview from back then, you know, say they're doing a book or they're going to do a book, but you know, ninety five percent at least, if not more, never get it out, never get it done. So that's yeah, that's a hard that's a hard one. And I've come across a few, and I'm like, you kind of need an editor, and it's too much work for me. So good luck. And you, you kind of, you know, it, it takes a, it takes a little bit. And again, there there could and should be uh, a little more institutional support for that kind of thing. Um, and I would, you know, every, every time I see a uh, an NBA game where they're they're playing all this funk music soundtrack, and these players have millions of dollars, they don't know what to do with, and all one of them would have to do is a fingernail's worth of their salary could build a building that could house a funk hall of fame 
type of thing. And how, how is how is this how is this narrative not connecting? How, how does that happen? How does everybody know this is the thing? And then you have folks with means that sort of live through that thing, and they can't make the connection. The connection can't be made, and it's it's hard. I'm a I knew I know the guy that's trying to put the rhythm and blues Hall of Fame together. And they found a, a site out there in Mississippi, which is kind of halfway between oblivion. Um, but you know that that's the, that's the momentum that they were able to build with uh, with uh, scarce resources, and they, they shouldn't it, it shouldn't be that way. They shouldn't it shouldn't be that scarce. And it puts us back on us ground level documentarians of the funk, man. It's been uh, grassroots, you know, ever since Funkadelic first played a note and still grassroots. Are you working with Phil again on the next record? Yes, I'd say about half the album is going to be his work. And then everything I do is going to go to him so he can sprinkle his his stuff on it and um and as i go out i'm i'm learning more how other musicians you know operate and how they work and you know get a little more from them but um the idea is that it's gonna still stank like that ptfi sound um and then just you know keep the keep the concepts happening. I don't think I, I, I love hearing all the stuff that Gabe comes up with. Uh, yeah, he's got a pretty nice archive of some of that P funk that I haven't heard. He is very well connected. He came through the show one night and handed me a, a CD that was the raw board tape of. Woodstock of Sly and Family Stone at Woodstock. And I didn't believe it. I said, this is not Woodstock. This is just some other live show. And then I hear Sly, way up on the hill, let me hear you say, where everybody, up? Like, shit, this is that. And you could tell it was in the rain and somebody's microphones weren't working when they're, because, you know, there's all these multiple parts on Family Stone music. And you know, when you buy the Woodstock experience, right? When they say that, you can buy it now. They grafted vocals back onto those things, you know, but nobody cares at this point. It's like colorizing a legendary photo. Folks were indignant for a quick minute. And now it's like, hey, it looks better. Um, so uh I was I was happy. I I was amazed by by that. And I think Gabe just wanted to just blow my mind, which he did. Um, and I haven't I haven't seen him in a while. He used to be out here a lot. He was out here with Bernie. I think the last time Bernie played the West Coast uh, in like 2015 or something. Um, I don't know how he keeps all that stuff organized. You know. Well, I think we all have this this issue now with our archives. And you know, and what do we do with our vinyl collection? It's massive. What do we do, you know, with our 
CD collection that looks more worn than our vinyl, even though it's old. Uh, and um, and all this other stuff. I mean, I remember Scott. I don't know if you had to, if you went through this, but I remember when I decided I'm going to take my entire vinyl collection and get the CDs of everything and have both and have the vinyl for display purposes and have the CD for playing convenience purposes, especially on the radio. But what did that mean? That meant almost doubling the volume that you're up against. And um, kind of there now. And, uh, you know, but we have, um, we have a garage that basically when I started work on party music, I had to move all my, most of my vinyl out to the garage and just kept the, kept the display items here. Um, just handy. That one seems to be in pretty good shape. Yeah. And I mean, a lot of, I mean, the vinyl holds together pretty well. Um, uh, the CDs, that's a different story. And the CDs are just, you know, the, the gateway to digitizing everything. So, I'm I'm not quite sure what uh, how that's supposed to work, but you know that's what libraries are like. We think of them immediately as they're they're like these static things, but see, libraries are always in flux. They're always move, always you know in transition and always in motion. And so I'm okay with that. But um, now I'm looking at people's vinyl collection and what uh, how their cases are built. You know the shelving and all that. So that I could um, take what money I made in the pandemic, not going anywhere, but still teaching. Um, might as well blow it on stuff that'll treat my music better. Mm-hmm. You know, no argument for me. I don't know what the spouse will say, but I'm for it. <laughs> yeah, we got a little back back and forth with that, and because um, he's like, well. When, when you go, those records are going too, Rick. Okay. But she's, I, I, there's like three or four things she's going to keep. I did get, I have a greatest hits of uh, Sly and the Family Stone with all seven original members signing it. So nice. Sly it and all, all the way, and uh, um, Cynthia and Larry and whoop, 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 whoop. And yeah, so my wife will keep that one, but uh, just about everything else, you know, the collectors and and you know that's what that's what a lot of the record stores out here live on people liquidating their their archives. Hopefully, just for a move as opposed to an estate sale type of thing. But a friend of mine, uh, Otis Jones, um, he does that. All the time, he goes to these garage sales and estate sales, and and these these, th- and that's how he winds up with all this inventory that he takes straight to the flea markets on the weekends and mm. and uh, and unloads it. And I, I don't I don't know if he pays his rent that way, but it's a pretty steady steady job. I don't know if it's a steady business, but it's a steady job, you know. But all of us. Seem to live for the funk, man. When you were talking yeah. earlier about you know looking at those uh, album 
notes and the fine print and all that on those albums back in the day. And um, I don't know if anyone realizes if they weren't around back then, they probably don't. But, you know, that for me was like such a main way to discover other music because I would look for any name that I knew that I had recognized from something that was, you know, happening. And I would say, hmm, that's on there. You know, and uh, and that would like lead me in all these ways, you know, and just and now with streaming, you know, you just don't have that. You have the algorithms that connect you to the same thing over and over and over again, like you were saying, but you can't find follow those like breadcrumbs, you know. It's not you're not crate digging anymore. You're just, you know, just sort of being having this thing poured down your throat. It's not the same, not the same input. Yeah, I remember when I had the Average White Band's first album, and they said, work to do. And I was like, man, I'd like to do, 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 do everything about that I like. And they said, Isley Brothers. I'm like, what? I had no idea. And I had no idea that um, every album the Average White Band did, what they had a, a soul classic on there that they did a remake of. And then I realized they had a respect for uh, the roots of the music by doing that. And, you know, so not ever having met those guys, I felt like I knew their values just by how they made the music that I heard and then the music they chose to recognize. Um, that's a beautiful thing. And again, like I said, I grew up around bands and artists that had those kind of values. But, um, you know, you, like you said, you can find this evidence among them, through them, and it just confirms what you're doing. And now it's really hard. What If I said it's on Spotify, it's on iTunes, you might say, okay, this is interesting, although I have no reference point to it whatsoever, except... Ricky Vincent said it, it, he likes it. And, you know, kids, people aren't getting that story. Maybe they don't think music is worth the backstory. Context is important. Well, the backstory is everything. And, and that could mean, you know, what makes it uh, a delight. Um, I came across this uh, global noise on um, pfunkradio.com. Because Bernie's on one of the tracks. And then I listened and I said, well, all these tracks are nice. Boom, boom, boom. And went from there. Right. But I had to find out. I had to dig and, and I looked it up myself. And I said, okay, there, this is this is this is what this is what I look for. And I have some other global noise music too. So I don't know who they are, but I dig them. Hmm. You know, that's that's a start. But, but I guess now. You know, I got a lot of shows lined up for the for the thing, but one thing that is in short supply is that fat bomb jam opening song. Okay, like Lakeside, it's all the way live, something like that. And I you can say lettuce can do some of that. Um Slap back when they want to. Freak bass, maybe. Um, 
I got respect for Stone's throw and those guys, but not necessarily. Occasionally, there's some go-go release that, that can do it, but it's hard to find. That is uh, almost a lost art. The the bomb jam CD opening, big bass party jam throwdown funk track. It just immediately makes you feel good. Makes you just you're bumping, you're feeling it. It's and it 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 feels it's natural, even though it's amplified. And, and and you can and that's what the basic guitar, I think, plays a big role there. And uh, so I'm I'm hunting for that. And I've talked to Ron Cat about um, doing a a track to open my second album. And um, I keep meaning to you know, once the classes wrap up. This is the last last day of class the other day and um hit him up to do a, a cover of a fat back tune just because it's got that thump and i'm like we well, can start as a you can do whatever you want but walk in the room and and, and just do that breakout type of thing because a lot of folks that they're, they're not that's not high on their list and i'm like well that's that's the whole point of the folks boom what's the smack you upside the head and um you know and we love it we still look for it that's what we do so that's what i do you know um thanks for talking to me all this time ricky i appreciate it but uh, i want to do a couple of real quick i'm hoping they're quick hit questions before we part ways what are your five desert island funk albums gratitude is probably one of my first time i came across it, i thought it was a great record um the mix of live and in studio um the audience interaction the joy the mastery everything in it and it could it could play forever and ever if i'm stuck on an island forever and ever um i still listen to uh Ron Katz dance on the mothership, D O T M S. I remember he kept saying, "Call it D O T M S," but nobody's going to understand that. Call it dance on the mothership. Um, but a lot of guys have a quirky vision, and sometimes it's they they, they going to stick to it. Um, so Ron Katz dance on the mothership is something I I listen to still. Um. I still deal with Stevie Wonder's Inner Visions album a lot. So that would be number three. Um, and it has quite, quite a funk quotient and eclectic tunes that I think I'm still growing into, like, like visions in my life. Da, da, da. It's like, so I always respected it, but then I would skip it a lot. But now I'm at the point where I can take the whole thing in. Okay. Uh, same with Lot of Worlds by Cool and the Gang. Everybody knows about Wild and Peaceful, but Lot of Worlds is peaceful, and yet it's got thunder. And uh, I feel like I can play that over and over 
and over again. And that's really the, the criteria when you say desert island mm-hmm. funk release. Um, I'm inclined to, to say um, Mother Sip Connection, but I'm pretty connected to um, the Parliament Live P-Funk Earth Tour, which is a lot of the Mothership Connection rendered live. Um, so I would say that, the P-Funk Earth Tour. So that's the four. That's four. Two doubles. <laughs> that's okay. If they were CDs, they'd fit on one CD. Yeah. Um, but you know, my life was changed when I heard Night of the Thumposaurus Peoples. So I guess I'll just put Mothership Connection on there. That's my five. Well, live am Mothership Connection. Yeah. Well, let me see. Can I flip it around? Uh, no, I'm good. I'll leave. Well, Stan. Put Stan in there. Uh, it, well, that means something else would have to go, huh? <laughs> well, make Stan the uh, 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 honorable mention. Five, it's almost impossible. You know, I'm just listening to you and I'm thinking, yeah, no how players, no, uh, no Isley Brothers, you know? That's hard. Those guys changed my life. Um, the Heat Is On changed my life. Um, right around the time of uh, um, the, um, Go For Your Guns, there was an LP Greatest Hits of the Ozzy Brothers that came out. And I think they did it like um, they did it like uh, the heat is on where it's like hot on one side and cool on the other. And so the hot side had like live it up and the power and um, uh, who's that lady and stuff like that and then the flip side had for the love of you and let me down easy in their in their ballads it was sort of like revisiting that approach that the heat is on had and i remember getting both of those i remember getting uh the greatest hits that one i forget the name it has a smooth name and then um go for your guns and uh, those are t- there's just so many choices right there. Uh, what, 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 what can you do? Go for your guns. Well, the heat is on. Well, uh, fire. Well, uh, skin tight. Well, uh, Brick was one of my favorite albums. Their second album with uh, Duz- with Duzik and we ain't gonna we sit want- down. Yeah, we want to get out. Um, those seventy-seven records the first slave album um i would mess with that uh, i would crank the hell out of that on a regular basis but um and for a long time uh the the concept was one of my favorites but both of those slave first album and the concept they kind of ran out of songs so they're like both of those are missing like one or two tracks that would have filled it all the way out and for a yeah. long time yeah, the only way it can't be, uh, you know, stand alone next to the other. Other people just had bad songs, and these guys just didn't have songs. So, you know, we go through that 
all the time. Some song, some albums are just mixed medley perfectly, but the overall, you know, nothing, you know, kills you. I think um, Pleasure's Joyous album is like perfect from start to finish in terms of a variety of styles and sounds and good funk and everything else. Um, but it, uh, you kind of, you have to kind of want that. Okay. And sometimes, you know, Lakeside has an album with just two killer bomb ass tracks. And then the rest, you're not interested in at all. The rest is just, dare we say filler. You know, well, for me, Fat Fatback in one way did a lot of those. <laughs> they frustrated me so much because you're like, do I got to buy the whole album just for one and a half good tracks? Come on now. So I was I was irritated for a while till I got my whole Fatback collection and could sort of work backwards from there. Because um, I, I got you know. In retrospect, you got to re recognize how good their music was, and if they're going to deliver it that way, then then fine. Other people, Fatback will give you two albums a year. Sometimes, quant for some folks, quantity is more important, and some of them, uh, you know, you'll just take them uh, when they when they release them, and uh, and you know it's you know it's going to be something good. So. Um, what, 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 yeah. what, Ricky, what's your opinion of um, this phenomenon of funk bands, legacy funk bands, for the most part, if they put out new music, it's in general a lot mellower than what it once was, whereas legacy rock acts, for the most part, seem to keep bringing the rock that they did. You know, why? why is it that you know what I mean? Like, um, that's just an example. Like, when Function came back a few years back, it was all mellow, you know, that kind of thing. And uh, Confunction just put out a, a new release. I played it last week, and it was called Text Me Tomorrow. And it was basically the same kind of cadence as uh, Love Train. You know, because they can they can do the vocals that swing a little bit, but it's still a chilled out song, and that's what they did. And and I just what you said, I just said I'm going to accept the fact. That two things are happening: one, folks in their seventies don't necessarily, you know, want to do a song called like "Chase Me." And 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 have all have to expend all that energy. Okay, I remember Dave Garibaldi. We got a hold of him to promote that 50th anniversary of Tower Power, and he's one of the few musicians that's been there the whole time of Tower Power. He's the drummer, and you know, he it's it's kind of his fault. But a lot of the drum tracks on Tower Power are very busy. There's a lot of work. To do, you don't just sit there and you got to really work. And he said he'd never been more tired than when he had to do the 50th anniversary kind of showcase of all that music, right? Which is on TV and PBS and all that. And it's great. It's great for us, but 
So that was like, so I get those little hints that at some level, the artists are uh, are just mellower in general. But also, when they hear their legacy songs, Confunction is a good example. I think they're not hearing Chase Me on the radio, okay? They're hearing uh, Let Me Put Love on Your Mind or some even sappier stuff. They're not even hearing power ballads. They're hearing the the kind of easy listening, fit into the smooth jazz format, play algorithms and things. And they're not going to be recognized for having a broad sound. So if they're going to be recognized for anything, it's for what they work, and that's their mellow vibe, their chill-out vibe. Isaac Brothers are an even better example because Ronnie and the group can hit some of the meanest, hardest, most virile, masculine funk ever made. But they have just as much of a catalog of the bedroom love music that Ronnie can basically do by himself. And they have both. But the business model is get some more of those ballads from Ronnie. That'll get that'll get the that'll get the ladies in, in the in the building. Okay. Um the last time I saw Grand Central Station play at Yoshi's, and that's just kind of it wanted to be a jazz club, but it had the the appeal of R and B and funk bands is so great in Oakland. That's where it's located. Um so yeah, that's where the the Delphonics would go or um, you know. I don't want to say Anita Baker, but somebody like Anita Baker, like Angela Bofield or somebody, they would play Yoshi's, okay? Um, and because of that, that's kind of their clientele. Uh, when Larry Graham and Grand Central Station play, when a you know when a smooth guy, when Brian McKnight or somebody you know would come to town, the dance floor they have dinner tables up. So that the romantic dinner crowd, you know, the, the, the regular tables are in the audience, but then the dance floor is dinner tables because that's their audience. And the last time I saw Grand Central Station play there, maybe 10 years ago, night 20 at this point, you know, I was like, man, I've been, I've been, I've been needing that thunder from Larry. I got to get, so I went to see it and I was ready to, you know, get in the front row and dance to Larry Graham. And they had all the tables on the dance floor because the ladies were there to hear a one in a million chance of a lifetime. That's yeah, two ballads, but that's how they looked at it. They looked at the ladies are coming for that. The old crusty funketeers were not really trying to market to them. Um, so I see the I see the 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 legacy artists doing that, and even with um, um, Medicaid fraud dog, uh, I felt like as as much as that is 
there's a lot of true P-Funk up in there, and Danny Bedrosian has a lot to do with that. Um, they doesn't feature much Blackbird, doesn't feature much Lies Cutting Loose, does, doesn't feature much uh, heavy metal type of stuff. I mean, technically, that's a Parliament album, but features all of, you know, Trizé and who, what, whatever other cousins are, are rapping on there. But, um, you know, they could have, it, it seemed to me like there was, there was more room to do that. So, yeah, I recognize it and I feel it. And I don't, I don't know if it is where something where they have tapes of some throwdown that they decide not to release or they're just chilling and they're not tr trying to do that anymore. And some of it I, I accept. Some of it I, you know, I, I realize that. Um, when I do my radio show mix, I'm like, uh, I'm just when I start, you know, let me do a theme, you know, let me do a tribute to such and such, and just and the mix will be something that's more like a, a a jazz afternoon mix. And then as the week progresses, I don't need that song. As it gets closer to Friday, now nah, let me put the jam up in there. Okay, well, let me put this soft tune way at the end of the show, and let me front load the heavy funk because it's late at night. And by Friday night. I got the monster funk jams starting the whole show. And so, but I understand somebody wanting to do a, a bit more of a laid back mix. I understand that, but there are those of us that really want that shit. It was tough when uh, George Duke moved to LA and one time, he came up to Yoshi's, which is a jazz club. But for some reason, all of us Funketeers were just so strung out on, you know, his his dookie stick type of thing. He was coming, I think his album release was the Muir Woods Suite. I think that's what he was promoting. If you're familiar with his with his catalog. It's every not, now it's not funk, that's for sure. Every now and then he just totally chills out. Yeah. And he had come up to promote that. And there was a bunch of us. It was like, reach for it, motherfucker. <laughs> and it, it, he was pissed. We could tell he wasn't happy because it, it was just catching at the wrong. You know, a few years later, he did uh, Dookie Treats, which was a spectacular, um, you know, kind of uh, homage. homage to his OG stuff. And he had a lot of original players on there. And, and you know, some of us, wish he would do that but then you can't just say do that every time because that's not who he is you know he's got all these other things so it's so that's a bit of a thing and it would so i'm okay if they bring it now and then so it'd yeah. be nice if function brought you know one or two of those goodies back and, and you know maybe did you know still you know still too tight or something like that and and they they did a, a, a newer version and because they're now a lot of these folks are really keen on sounding like their hits again um and that's okay so go ahead and do it 
and and folks are really listening. I think the younger generation is really listening to how brilliant that earlier music was. Before, when it was just a sample, you just sort of had an inkling of what that other stuff was, but you didn't necessarily study it. And now I think the younger generation, when they care, they're going to get a big chunk of it and really pay attention to how they layer all this stuff in. And, and the fact that rap doesn't have much to say anymore. They want the beat. They want the attitude, but give me some real music. So there is hope for that. And I, so for a number of reasons, I'm more sympathetic to these OG artists that uh, are more chilled out than I would like. Yeah. Well, I agree with all that, but it's just a strange dichotomy though, too, with what I see, you know, with the rock world. Cause I always thought of funk as sort of like, you know, black music's answer to hard rock. And, you know, if you look at the hard rock, you know, your ACDCs, your ZZ tops, all these bands that were around back then, they're putting out a new album. It's going to be rocking, you know, it's not going to be mellow stuff. Um, even if it's well, the Rolling Stones, it. even like the Rolling Stones, they're not going to be just putting up ballads. But they have uh, also venue, they have radio stations and, and program streamers, whatever, that they can bring that. And and folks know how and where to find it. And some, something has happened where you're right, this sort of tranquilizing effect has, has gone on, especially with, you call them the legacy you know, soul and funk groups. Um, and and they have to deal with the fact because they're, they're not, I think they see they won't get the same play if they bring uh, a funk thing. I mean, just last Friday, I played um, uh, Now Do You Want to Dance from Larry Graham's uh, Rise Up album. Are you familiar with that one? Yeah, that thumbs. That's a jam. That's a great thing. And... You know, and he said, okay, I'm going to do exactly what Scott Goldfein wants to, me to do, and that is bring that bomb funk back. And you got to give him respect because I thoroughly love Now Do You Want to. I, I think his later one is better than the one from 1977. I, I, but he also tried to do uh, It's All Right, which to me didn't work. And and for whatever reason, it wasn't hitting like the original Ain't No Bout a Doubt It version of It's All Right. And and so I don't, I don't, you, you want to say thank you for, for, do, for doing that, but I'll just go back and play the original or, you know, thank you. I'll, I'll, I'll pick and choose what I want. It's, it's tough. And again, I would imagine it's hard work, especially for Larry, because you're making hot funk. You can do smooth funk, it's upbeat, but to make it hot, you, you're double timing. You're just... And that's labor. And the the output is not the same as, as the input, unfortunately. And that, to me, that's, to me that, that's too bad. There's a lot of playing to the R&B crowd, which is not the same as playing to the funk audience. <laughs> Yeah, but, yeah. So I've, I've I've accepted that maybe because I have a venue where that your know, serious funk expression can take place, and 
you know, if there was none, I think I would I would be bouncing off the walls more, or I'd be more indignant when I go to the show and they got the, the dinner crowd there and I want to hear the bomb and boom, 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 boom. And yes, that 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 all all, all of that's difficult and it would be great. And George does it. You know, he brings the cats out there. Uh, and, you know, Lies has been doing that for 43 years. Clip. I love how Clip will bring the 420, you know, and stuff like that and revive the old Funkadelic stuff and really cool. It's the thing. And and all, all I can do is say, you know, good luck and thank you. Thank you for your service. For all you funk soldiers, um, and and appreciate what we get, and you know, and if they if they crank it up a bit, then uh, then I'll just celebrate that and leave it to the youngsters, you know, leave it to those, those bands that keep opening for George, the third, the Blue Eyed Extinction, or something like that, and these other groups. Dopapod, uh, I discovered by opening with George last year. Yeah. The group Dopapod, I didn't know them until, you know, I kind of like them. Yeah. And so, you know, folks are getting exposed and and it, it's tough that George has to do all that heavy lifting himself, really. There's not a, a whole kind of team of these folks that, that are still going. And, and that, see, this is where these 90s and early 2000s acts should be thriving the slapbacks and the Ron cats and the freak bass. And these are folks that they're seasoned and they should be earning that spotlight starting lineup, all-star type of status, but there isn't a scene for them. Only red, only, only red hot chili peppers have kind of ascended through that. And they've, you know, for lack of a better term, made some musical compromises, but you know, they've managed to crack through, have the longevity, still have some funk in there. And yeah, and they've dabbled in the mellow thing, and that's okay. Uh, but see, things when they dabble in the mellow, I feel like okay, I know they're gonna rip it, so it's all good. When these other groups dabble in the mellow, you're just like, I just hope. They're just not on Prozac and just tranquilized for good. And that I'm concerned about. Is there anything you want to uh, plug before we uh, wind this down? I'm on the radio Friday nights, 10 o'clock Pacific time, kpfa.org, uh, the history of funk. Um, Working on the new record, working on the new edition of the book. And for me, my favorite album so far is Universal Love Language. Uh, James Stick Nasty Small. We'll see. We still got seven months to go if it'll be at the top. We got seven months to go. You know, a whole lot of people put out their stuff in April and May. First three months was slim pickings. But, um, you know, a lot of that's coming. The vibe is coming. People are still blessed to be here and music that celebrates life. There's nothing better than the funk. You know that, Scott. And that's why we do this. 
Yeah. Well, thank you for giving me this time, man. I appreciate it. Uh, thank you for doing it. You know, and uh, I also want to mention to people that they should check out your Facebook page too, the uh, History of Funk, because I'm sure if you got something going on, you'll communicate it through that too. Yeah, Ricky Benson's History of Funk on KPFA. That's the whole Facebook um, name of it. Um, and you can find my personal page at uh, Ricky Vincent, R-C-K-E-Y. And uh, and we'll keep it moving, man. Be well, Ricky. Thanks, man. You too, man. Take care. You too. Bye. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Truth and Rhythm. A big thank you goes out to our guest as well as to you, the viewer and listener. Also, much gratitude to Pleasure for supplying the show's funky opening and closing music. As a reminder, you can always access the complete list of linked shows by episode at funkinstuff.net. I urge you to support this program and receive the extra benefits along with that by subscribing to the Funk and Stuff channel on YouTube and sharing it with funk, R&B, and jazz lovers, joining Truth and Rhythm's membership program at Patreon, submitting a donation at funkinstuff.net, buying Everything is on the One, the first guide to funk book at Amazon, shopping at the Funky Things store for cool merchandise at funkinstuff.net, and linking through funkinstuff.net for all of your Amazon purchases. In addition, if you're an artist or anyone seeking proven, results-oriented, professional marketing, PR, writing, or editing consultation or production, check out the media services section at funkinstuff.net. Also, I encourage you to drop me a line at scottg at funkinstuff.net. I love the feedback, suggestions, guest requests, appearance and sponsorship inquiries, and just talking about my favorite subject, groove-based music. For now, and as always, this is Scott Dr. GX Goldfine saying, keep on keep vibing on to the rhythm of the one.